Loinlander, the most unofficial Outlander podcast on the internet, or anywhere. I'm your host, Megan. And I am your host, Joe. So, Joe, if people wanted to get in touch with us, how should they go about doing it? That's a great question. Thank Megan. you. Thank if you. If people want to get in touch with us, you can either find us at loinlander at gmail.com or on Twitter at loinlander. Also, look out. Facebook page coming. Okay. So today we're going to talk about episode 307, Creme de Menthe. It was directed once again by Canadian director Norma Bailey, who she did a great job in the last episode, and I think this episode was great too, and written by Karen Campbell, which is significant. Why? Because this is the first time we've had a new writer on the show ever. So season one and season two have always had um, Anne Kenny, who has since left the show, Iris Stephen Bear, who no longer writes for the show, Matthew B. Roberts, Tony Graffia, or of course, Ronald D. Moore. So this is the first time they brought in new writers on this season, and Karen Campbell writing Creme de Menthe, this is the very first time we've had a new writer. And that's interesting because um, there's no loining in this ep- episode. There After an no... hour and a half of sweaty, grunty sex bomb, mm-hmm. now this this was all just, just actual just stuff. story, yeah. yeah. Well, there is a lot of people out there in the Outlander fandom who were not happy with this episode at all. To the extent Last episode, you mean? This most recent episode, oh. 307. Yeah, to the extent that, because I fall, I'm on all of the Outlander um, fan blogs and right. a lot of the keeper of the blogs are coming on and basically saying, like, guys, too much negativity. There's quite a bit of complaints and um, there's a lot of book changes in this episode and, of course, the diehard Outlander book lovers, they've... Uh, there's a lot of complaints about a particular scene that we will get to as we go along beat by beat. Well, I'm curious what that scene might be. But it became apparent that the internal writers and the cast of Outlander were not on the same page, so to speak, for the last episode. Right. There was a bit, a bit, a little bit of Twitter controversy where yes, uh, Sam Hewen and, and the writers, quote unquote, the official writers, yeah, Roberts, which Matthew B. Roberts right. and Tony Graffia, both of them, they, they got and into Meryl it. Davis, and Meryl Davis, because oh, I think Meryl Davis is responsible for the Outlander writers' uh, right. t- Twitter account. A little, bit of, a little bit of real life drama there. I mean, so the scene, I, the scene in question, we'll just outline it for people yeah. who don't know, is the one in episode three hundred six where Jamie's shown pictures of his daughter Brianna for the first time, and in the book, Jamie breaks down weeping. So Sam Hewen played it out a little bit differently, which for those of you who listened to our episode from last week, we we love, we both liked how Sam yep. Hewen played it. However, um, he was getting called out by a lot of fans on Twitter and he said, quote, I use action lines as guide only. Falling apart doesn't have to mean tears. Can be internal, was my creative choice, plus Felt melodramatic, close mm-hmm. quote. Which, by the way, when he says action lines, that means in the script there actually was a line that said, Jamie looks at photo of Brianna and falls apart. Yeah. Or something yeah. to that effect. Yeah, and so he decided it didn't have to mean tears. And then he went on to say, Jamie hasn't met Bree. He has a relationship with Willie. Plus, he, plus wonder at situation. New tech, never seen B, etc. Way it was written felt stalled scene, he wrote. Yeah. So... Dun, dun, dun. The fans were responding to him, right. and some of them were being really negative, in my opinion, and a little bit ridiculous. They were writing things to him like, I'm just grieving for the scene that I've been waiting to watch for so long. I wanted to see this scene come to life, and I'm now grieving for it. And if you're listening to this podcast, that's a great opinion, <laughs> but it's not. Uh- <laughs> well, I guess it's just sort of like if you are, if you want to read that scene, if you want to see that scene play out exactly in the book 
then pick up the book and read the scene. Like, this is right. an interpretation, and it's a great one, too. Anyways, then the Outlander writers tweeted the following, quote, It is our intention that all action lines are filmed. We are disappointed this one wasn't. We'll talk more about it on the podcast, close quote. What do you think about that? I think there's some interesting drama. I think maybe Sam Hewen's a little bit uh, sick of having his manly character cry. It's like, I I have nothing against being sensitive, but Jamie, uh, I've mentioned many times, for Mm -hmm. someone who's supposed to be the the man of men, is uh, he's... I don't know. He's not. So, uh, so, and I mean, whatever. Uh, that might be, I don't know, chauvinistic. He's the, supposed to be the king of men. King of men. Sorry. But yeah, he, uh, I, I mean. Well, he's very sensitive. That doesn't make him less sensitive. of a man. But I, 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 no, I see what, what Sam Hewen, no, I'm, I see what Sam Hewen is saying. Like, it's too melodramatic. Right. That's what I mean. I think, I'm not saying that he's against it. I just think it's maybe a little bit repetitive. Like, he had just fainted. And yeah. it's like, how much, you know, is this guy... Supposed like, to express right, like here. he's not yeah. just like an, he. He's being, there's, one, there's a difference between being sensitive and being like a super emotional mushball. Yeah, right? like, yeah. So, um, and also, it's not really relevant to the character. This is a character who has been through so many things. He can handle. I yeah. don't know. There's just I, I. I think he played it perfectly. So then, after a couple hours, the writers followed up with that tweet about saying we're disappointed that this action line wasn't filmed, and they said. Quote, just to be clear, disappointed we didn't meet fan expectations, not disappointed in powerful emotional performance of Sam Hewen. Right, so kiss, kiss, hug, hug, everybody's happy again. And yeah, Ronald D. Moore called them both and said, hey guys, shut up. So back to this episode, we start with the title shot, which is, I was a little bit unclear about what this was actually. It's buckets of water coming out of a well or what you described as... Yeah, so they're they're filling up the fire hose to put out what will be a fire eventually right so that's the title shot then we are immediately back in the brothel where claire is getting attacked and this guy is awful he's saying he's going to kill her claire is fighting for her life with a knife right he trips and falls back and cracks his head on the concrete hearth and jamie walks in yeah he's in a bad way and and she wants to save him and well at first she's in shock like you can tell that she's actually in shock about what happened and then as soon as she realizes he's breathing she runs to him and says i have to help him and jamie says why he attacked you which i think is what all of us viewers were also thinking watching this scene yeah it didn't really make a lot of sense to me no claire's response because i am a doctor well, I mean, Claire has taken an oath as a doctor to yeah. help those in need. And, that, and uh, uh, I, I've never taken the Hippocratic Oath, but I feel that that is basically what it is. And, uh, you know, that that's, she feels she takes it very seriously. And yeah, it's that's her true. responsibility that's to, true. to do these sorts of yeah, things. Yeah, it's a good way to look at Claire's actions. So Madame Frenchie comes to the door and with Fergus. And Love she Madame says Frenchie, that she... by the way. I know, so do I. And she says that she'd sent Fergus because she'd heard trouble in the bedroom, which... I really appreciate. She right. could hear Claire struggling. Yeah. She not only she didn't want to go up there because she knew there was some sort of bad news bear situation happening, yeah. but she got Fergus right. to go and help. Yeah. So I I don't know. I just that's kind of another. Oh, she's good. She's on character side. note, yeah. I, right? I, I felt like she was protective of Claire when Claire came down to the brothel for breakfast last episode, and I think in this one she's also protective of Claire. Like she's maybe not. I think she was a little taken aback by her existence, but she's she's on side. Yeah. Um, anyways, so they quickly realize that this, this rapey guy, his team is going to come find him. Yeah. Uh, Percival. Sir, Sir Percival. Yeah. He yeah. works for Percival, who is the guy from last episode who 
Jamie has to buy off in order to right. do his illicit, illicit uh, smuggling. Yeah. So they say he's going to come here to find this guy. And Madame Frenchie points out that that is a problem since all the alcohol is stored in her basement. Right. That's an issue for Madame Frenchie for sure. Right. So they got to get the alcohol out of there. Yeah. Claire goes to the apothecary, meanwhile, to get medication to save rapey right um and she meets archibald campbell and offers to take care of his sister if he'll just let her go first and order all of her right. medication and archibald campbell is obviously a slime ball he just like s- just smells of slime ball he really does doesn't yeah, he like he was eyeing up her purse while she was paying for the stuff and oh i didn't even yeah, notice yeah, that and he's 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 10th degree slime ball for sure okay um, and then we go to Young Ian and Fergus selling the brandy. Big episode for Young Ian. This is Young it Ian's was. coming home party. It was. Yeah. And he's very good. Actually, I wanted to ask you what you thought about Young Ian. Uh, he's, yeah, no, he, he's good. I thought he was, I thought he was pretty good. Um, he, yeah, no, I really like the scene where he's bartering with the, the older Yeah, well, and that's the Scottish scene. He does, yeah, and he does yeah. a good job, doesn't he? Yeah, no, he does a pretty good job. I think he has a good dynamic with New Fergus. I know. And, uh, yeah, no, they're, he, he plays young, awkward well. He does. And he yeah. asks Fergus in the scene after he completes the purchase, um, he asks if he remembers Claire. And Fergus basically speaks of her like a legend. Yeah. Also, just a reminder, because I do think that Fergus and young Ian have good chemistry, but they're has to be a huge age difference between them because I was thinking about it. The episode that young Ian was born in was the same episode Fergus lost his hand. Right. So and Fergus old, has got, well, Fergus had to have been 12, 13, 13? 12, 13. Yeah. So yeah, it does, they don't appear to have, they seem, like they only appear like maybe Fergus is like three or four years older. Yeah. But yeah, when in fact he's got to be 12 at least, right? Well, because it's been how many years since, since, uh, well, young Ian is 16. He's 16 years old. So it's been 16 years then. Yeah. So that means that makes Fergus almost 30. Like, He's in his late 20s, I guess. Right, that dude doesn't look 30. He looks about 19. But whatever. That's fine. I mean, I think he's older than 19, but he looks about 19. Yeah, he does. He does. Is Anyways, he supposed to be that old in the book? I guess. I think he's supposed to be in his late 20s. That's how the math works out. Okay, yeah. anyway. Um, and then back to the brothel. Jamie and Madame Frenchie are acting like partners as Sir Percival um, asks for a tour. Because Madame Frenchie is, we've already seen them basically take out. Yeah, all they of took the, all the, the. Jamie says, take all the liquor out and yeah. get rid of it. Sell it. Sell it at a loss if you have to. Do what you need to do. Just get rid of it. And actually, sorry, one thing we glossed over with um, Young Ian's deal is that he's so proud of himself because in order to get the price he wants for the the uh, brandy, the yeah. French brandy, yeah. he throws in three casts of the creme de menthe, which is the the title of this episode, yeah. which is supposed to be a big trick because everyone hates the creme de menthe. They can't <laughs> sell it. So Fergus is all proud that he managed to leverage this alcohol that nobody wants in order to get his price. So it was, yeah. like, you know, he was so proud of it. But of course was, that comes up later. It was a smart move. Yeah. Um, anyways, I did quite like the scene where, Dame, where Jamie and Madame Frenchie are kind of arm in arm greeting Sir Percival and his evil one-eyed blind man yeah that guy is just i don't know who where they got that guy but it was just like they put out a casting call for most cliche looking bad guy one-eyed bad guy ever hey the guy the guy played it well i don't know who that character actor was that played one-eyed bad guy but uh he was born to play that role yeah anyway so they go look in her basement and jamie and madame you know play it cool while they realize that nothing's down there 
Jamie comes back up to his room and Claire is upset because Rapey has died. Yeah, she tried. She tried. She cracked open his skull with she a did. with a drill. Her yeah, and, and her Willoughby, and Willoughby. Willoughby assisted her, and yeah. Willoughby actually says to Jamie, "Honorable wife, put best foot forward." Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know, like, and actually, this is one of the things that Outlander book fans are actually complaining about: is it, that this is a politically correct version of Willoughby, and he's not supposed to be. Well, I mean, the book That's depiction right. is, can only be described as horribly racist. Right. So, but like the true book fans... Want the horrible... Well, they're just like, racist. why does it have to be such a politically correct version? Like, why are we so... Can't it just be the version, the, the correct version? Sometimes they change things for a good reason. Yeah. 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 And some... I like this character of Willoughby. You know, he's... Right. He and Claire are both... I mean, I don't know what what Diana Gabaldon has come out to say about the character of Willoughby recently, but when this is based on which book? Voyager, the third Voyager, book. which was published when? I think in the late 90s. Late 90s. So that's quite a while ago. So I, I feel but like... she's always defended it. She's always she? okay, said well, that I it's was, not I was going to defend her, but... Why yeah. Would? Anyway, whatever. So, uh, yeah, there's nothing... So far, there's nothing terribly offensive about the character Willoughby. Which I like. Really which good. I really yeah, enjoy. I'm fine with that. So Willoughby leaves, and Jamie and Claire have a pretty annoying conversation after this. Claire says that, you know, if I had been in a hospital in Boston, I, I could have saved him. And uh, to me, I was just kind of like, but Claire, if you wanted to stay in Boston saving right. rapists' Probably lives, Christina. then you didn't have to go through the stones. Like and This I, is... It's classic Claire. Again. It this is, is this is it Claire's is. Claire's ego superseding her common sense. Yeah, it's like she can't get over her own ego that she like super Claire. Well, and she is very talented. Like she says to him, "I don't very often lose a patient. Like yeah. it's not common for Claire to try and fix someone and have because she's extremely talented. Right. And so I think it was this is surprising you know, to her. Right. Like, but Claire just barrels forward. She's not. Used to failing, be it whether with her talents or just her, her pure force of will. But yeah, she doesn't seem to grasp the whole like this guy was trying to rape and or then kill her. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, but again, she she explains that as part of her oath as a doctor, she's vowed to help people. Um, you know, regardless of, of judgment. So. And Jamie says there'll be there'll be lots of people that you can still save. Like there'll right. still be opportunity less, for you to use your right. talent, which I thought was nice of less him. Less personally rapey, killy people. Right. right. Um, and then she says, you know, I've caused you a lot of trouble, and he says a really nice speech. It's very romantic about how happy he is that she's back. And she says, well, I have to go find another patient because she is talking about right. um, Archibald Campbell. Um, and so off she goes, and then we have young Ian and Fergus flag down a pretty barmaid. Yeah, so they're having a little conversation in a uh, in a bar, and yeah, they, they and get, Fergus uh, gives young Ian a pep talk. Little a little yeah, a little some pointers about how Fergus uh, max on the ladies and and, and yeah. just just gets him going, and uh, and then he you know flags the girl over and sort of gets sort the of just, heck out of there. Yeah, throws throws Ian right into it. And yeah, good, good for Ian. He. Uh, he uses Fergus's lines and they he work does. like a charm. As soon as she comes up, he says, young Ian smiles at her and calls her the bonniest lass he's ever seen. Like she he's, ate it up. Oh, she did. She sat down immediately. And I really like the actress that plays yeah. that barmaid. She just, I don't know, she played it really well and he's so sweet. I like the scene. Is he, I just have to ask you, is he a good looking kid? He's he's cute like a he's got like a baby face. He's so, cute the way like I, little kids in kindergarten really? are cute. Like as a dude, the, the only part that I had with that scene is I felt like he's kind of like a bit of a homely kid. 
which is you know I guess it's all but sometimes guys don't understand what what girls find attractive necessarily he's, yeah no I wouldn't say he's good looking but he's very sweet looking okay he's very sweet looking just curious. guy yeah um, but he's not Fergus. Like Fergus, no, Fergus obviously is obviously like young, a, but he's a right. He's a I good mean, looking, even suave. He, even he would say so, right? Fergus, <laughs> Fergus likes himself some Fergus. Yeah. Anyway. Right. Okay. So then Claire goes to visit Margaret Campbell, and she's raving gibberish. And we learn that they're fortune tellers. Um, and it's kind of a creepy scene. But what did what did you think of this scene? As someone who had no idea it was coming, and suddenly you're in a room with. Well, I thought it was a setup because. You know, you kind of get that foreshadowing where the guy just like the creepy look at her purse. And yeah, like I I thought it was going to be another classic Claire walks headfirst into a bad situation kind of thing. But it wasn't. It actually was um, a, a lady with some sort of severe mental illness. Yeah. And her brother is basically exploiting it for profit. Yeah. Um, you know, it's it's sort of he, he basically comes out and says, look, it's either, you know, I, I basically try and hide her away or profit off her. Her Visions. mad ravings. Like, yeah. basically, he says only he can decipher it, which basically means he just lets her ramble and then makes some shit up yeah. for money. Yeah. Uh, so he's he's a bit of a sleazeball. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, they don't really get into what's wrong with nope. with the lady, but Claire. Claire seems to nail it right away without without. Well, her saying. concern, I think, is that this, this brother is drugging her up. And Claire's like, you don't need to drug her up, but you can give her these things to calm her. Right. But don't, what is it, laudanum? Don't, yeah, give, don't, her, give, her yeah, don't give her so much of it's that. Like an and he's like, well, yeah. we're actually leaving for the West Indies tomorrow. Because she's like, I'd like to come back and see her tomorrow, right? She wants to monitor her mental health. And the guy says, well, no, because we're leaving. So Right, and that's a long boat trip. That's yeah. So he's afraid that they're going to pitch her on the side. Right. And then Claire leaves. So then we're back to Ian and the barmaid. And they go back to the printer shop. And he sings. And then they go to the back of the print shop. Yeah, she sings. And well, and she gives him direction. One of my better lines, though, is when, so he kind of, he sort of like, gets her, gets her down on all fours on the bed, and and She's you know like, he thinks he's he knows what he's doing, and you know he he said that he saw that in the brothel, and what was her line? I'm not a whore tonight, or I'm something not, like that. It's like yeah, it's like, she says something like I'm not a whore tonight. I. I feel like that was a little bit of implication that maybe on the following and previous nights she was. I'm not really sure. Yeah, that was a little bit unclear for but, sure. But yeah, anyway. Um, so then we go back she to... She doesn't seem shy. Let's put it that way. No, she's, she's not. Geneva. Not. She's not. No. Well, was Geneva shy? A little bit. Yeah, remember? You're right. You're right. She you're right. shy and Sorry. afraid. She was overt about getting in the situation, but then once we got to the situation, right. she was a little... And this girl was not concerned about losing her virginity. No, she'd been she there lost that. it a long time ago. Yeah. So then we have Claire and Jamie back in their brothel room, and uh, Claire broaches the idea of perhaps finding another place to live. Right. And Jamie doesn't want to. Jamie is actually a little surprised He's that like, Claire is. And leave the brothel. Leave my <laughs> beloved brothel. Yeah. And she's like, well, yeah. And it's, I, I like the scene quite a bit because you can see it's the first time, like the 20 years, like a lot has changed. They're different people. There's a friction. They're not just like in sync where you understand yeah, each other. And not at all. She's like, you know, I, I could start, I could start working. I could work out of the print shop or I could yeah, find my own, from, my own place. And to start her own healer business. Yeah. Um, Jamie's not really too interested in it. Yeah. Well, and they get interrupted because older Ian original Ian arrives right 
So they, and Claire is so excited to, to hear that he's there. And Jamie says, yep, come on down, but uh, FYI, don't tell him you've seen Young Ian. And then they go downstairs immediately. And he just throws it out and walks out the door. Yeah. Yeah. And when they walk down and Ian sees Claire, I, I just, I love the impact that it had on him. Yeah. First of all, Ian has aged substantially. Yeah, they, they, Unlike is... Jamie and Claire, this actor, Stephen Cree, right. has, he looks about 12 pounds later and has all gray hair. Mm-hmm, yeah, but the... he also, the impact of seeing Claire. Yes, he is older for sure. And, yeah. and seeing Claire, they did a great job aging him up. And yeah. uh, the, the impact of seeing Claire is he's the first person to actually mention that, oh, by the way, we thought you were dead and we were pretty sad about it. Yeah. He said they've been grieving for, what, 12 years? Well, he just like looks at her and he his eyes well up and you realize, like, this was they were family and this was his family and he was Claire's family. And he says, Jenny and I grieved for you for years. And he's just looking at her face like, we and, grieved for you. Yeah, we're, basically yeah. saying, just basically, again, calling her out on her... You know how Claire just selfishly drops people on the side of the road and only worries well, about except, herself. Well, I mean, in this case, like Jamie her forced her to go back in time, wow. so she wasn't being selfish there. But she looks taken aback when he says that. When he's like, "Jenny and I grieved for you for years," she kind of looks like she blanches yeah. back. Like, oh my well, god, I affect other people with my terrible decisions. And the, but it wasn't Joe. It wasn't Claire's decision to go back. You say tomato. I say tomato. Anyway. Okay. And then he says to her, "Where have you been?" Like, he's really, like, everyone right. else has been, like, Fergus is like, Milady, it's so great to mm-hmm. see you. We thought you were dead. And he's just so, like, he embraces her and he's so happy. But Ian is, like, really, really calls her out. Anyways, it's a great scene. And then Jamie proceeds to lie to his face about not seeing his son, even though Ian says, like, Jenny is worried sick. And you can see Claire is so uncomfortable. Right. Claire just it can't, I thought for sure she was going to go full Claire. Yeah, you kept just... saying, you're like, she's going to blow it. She's going to blow it. She's going to blow right. it. Right. Shockingly, she didn't. <laughs> she didn't. Yeah, and then uh, then Jamie and Ian go around the corner and have a little chat, and you mm-hmm. know, there's more foreshadowing to Jamie's big secret, which I think you know by now has been beaten so heavily over our heads, it's pretty obvious what it is. But we do find out a little bit later in the episode exactly what that is. Yeah. Then we go back to young Ian and the barmaid in the print shop in the middle of doing what they're doing, and Ian is having a great time. Ian is having a great time. Um, and but it's interrupted. Unfortunately, right. it ends up unfinished because the creepy one-eyed man is going through the print shop, and so he tells the barmaid to run out the back, mm-hmm. and he goes in and he confronts him. Yeah, and they get into a little little tussle. Yep, and the guy throws young Ian up against the secret door, which then opens. Yes, yes, and he finds uh, the the treasonous the printings. treasonous articles. Right. Yes. And then Ian kind of stumbles away, and the one-eyed guy goes to shoot him, misses, but hits something. Hits that causes something, a big fire. and yeah, and suddenly right. there's a fire in a place made of paper. Yeah, a place not, that's covered in paper and wood. Not a great place to have a fire. No, and then we go back to Jamie and Claire, and Claire says to him, Claire's very uncomfortable, and says, "Since when do you lie to your family?" At which point you said, while watching. Uh, well, do you consider yourself my family? Because in that case, I do it every single day. Because yeah. <laughs> I think you're, well, we're all getting a little bit like frustrated because we know Jamie has this huge secret that he's hiding from Claire. Right. Um, anyways, they get into a bit of a back and forth about his decision not to tell Ian that young Ian is safe and with him. And Claire says, you have no idea what it's like to be a worried parent. 
which is maybe true to some extent. Smack in the face. It is, but it is true too. I, I don't think it's true at all. Personally, I don't think it's true at all because Jamie had a son, Willie, mm-hmm. who he really loved and basically raised for the first, what, eight, five, five six, six yeah. years of his life. Yeah, that's true. And then had to leave him because he apparently looked too much like Jamie. Mm-hmm. Not the show, but that's mm-hmm. fine. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, so I'm sure he probably worries about Willie every time he looks at that little cameo. That's true. Yeah. So, That's so such that a was a sensitive take right. on Jamie's side of the story. Yeah. I think that was a super smack in the face. Like, like that's... it was, it was. But then, and then you know they get into a bit of back and forth, which I actually quite enjoy because again, there's gonna be conflict, there's gonna be problems. You guys are super, you know, hot and attracted to each other, but it has been twenty years, and you're yeah. gonna view life a little differently because it's not one of those things like, well, we've we've grown and changed, but we've grown and changed together because you were in different centuries, so. Yeah, Jamie's like, I haven't seen you in 20 years. Stop shitting on me and telling me what I have or haven't done. Well, and then she says, Frank was a wonderful father to Brianna, and Jamie turns around and says, was he now? Jamie wigs out. It's great, because Jamie doesn't wig out very often. I kind (laughs) of like seeing Jamie wig out. I know. Jamie needs a little more wig out. Like, this was, like... Sam Hewen this year, it's like more wig out, less less cry. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and he's great. He said, "Was he now?" And that's all he says, and you can just like see the irritation and frustration mm-hmm. with with Claire saying that. Anyways, they get back and forth a little bit, and their conversation gets interrupted by Madame Frenchie. Yeah, who tells him there's a fire right in the quarter where my print shop is. Yeah, it's like the print shop. Yeah. So they run, and of course, Jamie immediately says young ian sleeps in the back of the print shop which is like "Mm, i thought you did except sometimes you're in the brothel but then as you said i think jamie has another place he usually sleeps that's right yeah um so they he runs into the fire to save and protect young ian which you know goes along with exactly what he says he's doing to claire when she's like why don't you tell them and he's Mm -hmm. don't worry he's safe with me like Right. I, I mean, love that it's like he's safe with me and then immediately <laughs> gets in. shot at and is in a deadly fire. Right. Right. So Jamie takes his amazing blanket scarf and wraps it around his right. head and goes running up. Running right in. Runs past Ian directly to his picture of Willie and saves that no, first. No, he, he does not save that first. He makes sure Ian's okay first. Wow. Well, but he does run. He, he makes this incredible leap from the second yeah. story. And you said... I'm 50, but I'm going to jump down from here, which Jamie is not 50. I think he's 43, but he and he's in excellent shape. Because <laughs> you were like, I'm 41 and I'm not jumping off Yeah, any. that was, I mean, I know <laughs> Jamie's the king of men and is in, you know, obviously Sam Hewen's in great shape, but that was pretty Olympian with, you know, like lungs full of smoke and chemicals and he just like well, goes he, all Captain America, he, Captain Scotland. Do you think that Sam Hewen couldn't have made that jump? I don't, see, that's a high jump. Like, it was over a ledge, <laughs> over a fence. Like, like to just, like, you would break your ankle or something. No, like, you unless... hung on to the chandelier on the way down. Oh, he I'm sorry. He knew how to balance like, it out. Uh, he was performing ancient Scottish parkour. Like, no, I think that was a ridiculous stunt. It, well, it wasn't, because he lands perfectly. Wow, and obviously. saves not only young Ian, but also his picture of Willie, which was a nice right. moment when he goes and, like, grasps it into his yeah. hand because and it, you realize like that is really all jamie has of his son that's right and it's not like these days where you've got pictures on your computer like that one little not, circle painting like an iphone that was it so it's a great scene and it's a great fire and apparently it was one of the more challenging things that they've ever shot does that surprise you uh no i mean fire is hard fire right is like hard. that's and that was a huge set 
which apparently took just like months. Like, I guess it was a beautiful, beautiful set. Yeah. And it was painful for everyone when they had to burn it down because right. obviously it's the print shop. It's A. Malcolm's print shop. And then really it was only in two episodes. Yeah. Well, and, and Paris. Right. Right. Yeah, that's true. But uh, <laughs> apparently we'll never see it again because they burnt it to the ground. They so, did. so yeah, no, they, uh, but no, it was uh, from a, visual standpoint it, it looked really great and uh mm. yeah no and fergus and willoughby stand outside with claire while she watches in agony and i i did notice that she actually screams out jamie's name twice which is fair because you would scream out you know your husband's name but he is going as alex malcolm right now alexander malcolm alexander malcolm so i don't know i i feel like maybe she was calling for the other person in the building yeah, nobody knows. Nobody knows. She didn't give it away. Anyway, so she's standing there, and I said to you, because you see Fergus there and Willoughby, and I said, um, you know, he's he's got such a good gang around him. They've done such a good job at showing and making these characters. Like, you're immediately attached to them. You immediately trust them. Yeah. And you said, Jamie always has a good posse around him. He does, yeah. Which is really true. Yeah, no, he's he's a natural leader, and pe- the character is a natural leader, and people gravitate to him. And, yeah. And, uh, uh, yeah, I mean, back in old-timey Scotland, he had, you know, all his kilted boys, and now he's got uh, all... He's kind of a... Now it's kind of like a ragtag bunch. It is, but it's, it's a like, fun bunch. It's a bit of like a United Nations kind of situation. Do you know who would fit in perfectly? Murtaugh. Murtaugh. Yeah, where are you, Murtaugh? I don't know. We'll find you before the season's over. Don't worry, We buddy. will. So Jamie saves Young Ian, and brings him down the stairs just as the whole thing collapses and they cough on the ground and Young Yin informs the clan that they've found the rebellious articles that they've been printing and Claire tells Jamie that they have to take Young Yin back to Lollybrook. Right. Originally he wants to take him somewhere else. Yeah. But then, and Claire's like How about home? How about home? You just about burnt him. Yeah. And then yeah. Fergus and Jamie have a side conversation and Jamie once again brings up Ned Gowan. So at right. this point they've said his name twice. I well, think we're gonna see Bill Patterson. Right, but more importantly, more importantly Bill Fergus, Patterson. <laughs> Fergus says what we've all known right. the whole time is... How about what, your other how wife? How about your other wife? Which is interesting because they never they don't mention the other wife by name, which makes me wonder, as someone who's never read the books, is the other wife going to be someone we've already met? You know the answer to this. I don't, and mm-hmm. please don't tell me. Leave it I as will. a surprise. I just find it interesting that they don't mention you know, this, this other wife by name. Uh, I'm intrigued to see who other wife is. I don't think she's going to be around for that many episodes, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> um, well, but this is substantially different than the book. Is it really? Is this the part that people didn't like? People don't like this either because in the book, you learn at the same time as Claire that he has another wife. Right. So it's a shock for her and it's a shock for us. But now as viewers, we're very prepared. Right. So now there's, we're just going to... It's been like basically like... Two episodes of like... Oh, I'm two episodes. Sure three episodes. This has been... This being the third episode of just... No, because they, they only reunited last episode. It was an hour and a half though. So it probably seemed like no, two to seemed you. seemed like <laughs> an eternity. It seemed like... Well, did we meet Young Yin last episode too? Yeah. He's only been in oh one Oh my episode. God. That episode was such a... <laughs> heap. Anyway. Um, so... Really? Yes. Oof. So now we're in a position where we all know something and Claire doesn't. And... I was listening and reading because I, you know, listen to the podcast and I read everything that Matthew B. Roberts and Tony Graffius and Matthew B. Roberts explained it as they're trying to make Jamie more sympathetic as a character so that it'll be less shocking to us as viewers when we learn that he has another wife. Like we've basically been prepared for it and we're supposed to understand that Jamie's nervous that if he tells Claire, I am married, 
that she's going to leave him. See, I don't... I think if that's what they're trying to do, they've failed terribly. Good job. Um, because they're not making him sympathetic. They're making him out to be... All they've made Jamie out to be is a big fat liar. That's all we've... Since but he would do that in the... If they did the same interpretation as the book, he's a liar either way. But exactly. this way they've prepared us. But it doesn't make him more sympathetic. You just think he's got a dirty secret that he's keeping But from he's him. also... He's trying to like plan ahead, right? He's like, we've got to get the lawyer. Like, I think there's a part of him that's like, maybe Claire never needs to know. Like, if Ned Gowan can just like... You know, Claire is right. legally... And who is this other woman that he's willing to just, like, Ned Gowan out of his life at a, at the drop of a hat? Like, obviously, she's nothing special if he's willing to just dump her like a bad habit. We haven't seen her. And he's just like, let's get Ned Gowan. Like, he's not even going to go say bye. He's just going to get Ned Gowan to give her a letter saying, you know... I know. Bye-bye. F off. Like, that's the... Like, it's... Like, how is that sympathetic? He seems like just a lying dickhead. That's kind of what the character is. He's just sort of a lying criminal douche no that is not james fraser no but i'm saying they're writing him like a lying criminal douche it's like well, all- he's, no 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 but i think you're not supposed to look at him as a as a douche you're supposed to look at him as someone who's really scared to lose claire so he right. doesn't want to tell well, her how because- about this other lady who's obviously who he's obviously been with long enough to be married to i mean let's see what actually how it actually plays out but it's like yeah let's see let's see he's just gonna drop let's his- see the situation okay yeah because okay. maybe is there something more to it? There, I mean, probably. We'll find out, I guess. Is it? Okay. So then the final scene is Jamie looking at his ruined print shop and the mm-hmm. sign that says, A. No, Malcolm. this is not the final scene, is it? Are it we is. talking about the money giving? Where he gives it to Willoughby and to... Yeah, he, he basically, like, this is... Oh, sorry. Yeah, I missed that part. Yeah, well, I think this is very important because okay. this is sort of, he, I feel like he's kind of, this is paving the way for him getting the hell out of there and never coming back. So he's basically that's a good point. Give, giving money to people to be like, okay, Willoughby, you take this money and you give it to this person. And by the way, you better lay low because they're coming for you too. Yeah. Like that's a pseudo farewell to Willoughby. Like we're, that's someone we're all, who's changing his yeah, name we're, again. We're getting out of here. Yeah, I'm going to be Malcolm Alexander in about five minutes. So you better book it. <laughs> like, and uh, yeah, like he gives money to Fergus and says, hey, Fergus, you take this money to this person. And, uh, and but Fergus that. will be he's not saying goodbye to Fergus like he's gonna be no but I'm just saying like he's he's laying the bed of of getting out of Dodge for sure yeah yeah we also missed something we forgot to uh, before we get to the final scene. scene yeah one thing we forgot to uh, come back to is yeah. after the guy died yeah they got rid of the body oh yeah by putting him in putting him in the cask of creme de menthe which they're about to give to which is one of the the cast that young Ian included in the sale yes, of the right. uh, of the drink. So, uh, is that going to come back? Like that's a, I don't know if that's just a weird joke. Like ha ha ha, we I sold a dead know. body with I our cask of liquor. But that's it, like it's important enough that they called the episode creme de menthe. So and then so it was kind of interesting. I don't really it didn't really seem like a big enough plot point. Yeah. So I kind of wonder if. Is that like you didn't seem to care about it enough to make me think that it's something that makes any difference in the remember. book? Because you really remember. cared about the stuff with the brother and sister. Uh, you were really you weren't happy to see that, but you didn't like you glossed over the the liquor sale. I feel like it might come back to be honest. Maybe I mean I'm a book reader, but I am not a devoted book reader, and right. I, I think I've mentioned a couple times I do struggle with the book and the details. Right. And I just remember the brother sister stuff because there was. 
too much. Well, I feel like there was a lot of pages, and I right. I certainly read them, but I maybe skimmed. And the creme de menthe body, like that, might come up again. I mean, I feel like it ha- like it has to, right? It probably like, will. Right? It probably will. Anyway. Yeah. So then the final scene is Jamie looking at his ruined print shop, and the sign A Malcolm is in ashes on the ground, mm-hmm. much like his pseudonym A Malcolm. Yeah. Ooh, that's deep. Nicely mm-hmm. done, Thank Joe. You. Anyway, so it's a nice finish to the episode. And even though this set was only used for two episodes, you feel the loss when Jamie is watching it in flames. And I feel sad that I, I won't see it again. Did I you not? I didn't feel the loss. I'm happy to see it go. Get out of Edinburgh. Really? Yeah. This show needs to pick up the pace pretty quick. Get get them on a boat. Do something. Please. So a little bit more controversy on this episode now is apparently... Because fans are displeased with the episode. Right, so you said there's a scene they really didn't like, and I'm not... We Which was... Which scene well, was it's, it? it's the Willoughby scene. It's the fact that we oh, already that's... know that he has a wife before Claire does. Right, okay. Um, and just overall, fans don't like... Don't like this episode. Well, the diehards are never... Like, any diehard fans of any book series, they're never going to like when anything deviates from it in right. any way whatsoever. Yeah. Like, talk to, talk to a Game of Thrones book reader, and they will go on and on about how... Game of Thrones, the TV series, has missed so many important things, has dropped the ball, even if they love the show. Yeah. And, you know, talk to Harry Potter fanatics yeah, and they'll that's they'll true. talk about how yep. the books are so much better and oh my god, why did they change this? And yeah. you know, like, oh, that's not supposed to be that way. So I mean they're just gonna have to change it. Like you know, totally. taking, yeah. taking thousands and thousands of pages of prose and condensing them down into a thirteen episodes. Into yeah, thirteen <laughs> episodes of of television or however many you know like i don't know how long the book is but apparently they're pretty long so they're long so taking a thousand pages and condensing it down to 13 episodes is hard yeah and it's long and you have to cut things out and you have to change things and uh you know but they're never you know that's if you think that's ever going to change it won't no matter how no matter how the writing is no matter what so uh, apparently a displeased fan wrote directly to diana gabaldon and just asked her about all the changes in the script and if she was happy with them and why didn't she change them? And Diana Gabaldon, who's never quiet about anything, wrote back and said, I can't control the writers. I can and do comment on the scripts. Let's just say this one could have been worse. That's, uh, that is probably Which, the most ouch. backhanded compliment I've ever if heard. If I'm Karen Campbell, the new writer, I'm not happy that the originator of the content has publicly said, you think this is bad? You should have seen when... Yeah. You should have seen the first version. The first draft really sucked. Yeah. Anyway, so we'll see what happens because for the next five episodes of Outlander, we have new writers. Oh, well, maybe. So we won't see a script by Matthew B. Roberts or Tony Graffia until the season finale of this season. That can only be a good thing. I mean, I think, you know, fresh blood's always good, right? Yeah. And this episode, I didn't mind at all. In fact, loin points. How many would you give this? I mean, coming off last week's stunning na NA, Um, it it had to have been like i I think at the end of it i said basically you could have had jamie blowing a bugle for 23 minutes into the tv non-stop would have given it a higher rating and it would get a higher rating yes so what would you give this uh i mean as an episode of tv it was it was fine it was there was nothing particularly good about it or bad about it it was i didn't find it terribly interesting uh, it was just okay. So I feel like I don't want to, I'm not going to rate it too low because it, there was nothing really, you know, there was no cringy moments. This show 
is famous with me for its cringy moments, and there was no cringiness in this yeah. episode. So I think just based on its non-cringiness, it gets a 45. 45 loin points. Yeah, just because kind of like like kind of like Dan and Gabaldon said, could have been a lot worse. Yeah. Okay, I would give it 90. Oh wow, back in the nines, eh? Back in the nines, yeah. Right. Uh, but still not that's not a high nine. Not enough loining for you. I don't even need loining, but ninety is ninety is high, mm-hmm. I think. I liked this episode. Yeah, good. Yeah. Um, favorite line? Um it wasn't so much a favorite line as it was just a really brief give and take between Claire and Jamie. A white lie to conceal something that Ian can't possibly understand. Oh, I didn't realize lies had shades. Anyway, I thought it was really great and really on point and kind of, uh, he was sort of speaking for me. Yeah. Uh, I feel the same way. Yeah. So my favorite line, which I've kind of already given a bit of a shout out to, is when old Ian looks at Claire and says, Jenny and I, we grieved over you for years. Because again, it just brings a lot of realism to the situation. She was gone for 20 years. People thought she was dead and people who loved her grieved for her. So that was my favorite line. My favorite scene, of course, was when she reunited with Oldie and I thought that was an incredible scene. What was your favorite scene? My favorite scene, I think, was the scene with young Ian and Fergus in the bar when he's giving Fergus uh, dating lessons. It was just, you know, it, it was kind of a, you know, we've seen that scene a hundred times before, but... It was cute. There's a reason why you've seen it a hundred times yeah, before. Yeah, it's cute, it's a, for it's sure. A, you know, it's a solid, it's always a winner. It's yeah. an easy win. Um, MVP? Uh, I gotta give it to Young Ian. <gasps> Me too! Yeah. Never before we have the same MVP. Yeah. No, he was, he was good. He, uh, he brought some charm and some fresh blood to this episode, this series, mind mm-hmm. you, that I think is, uh, is necessary. You told me last episode that he was, uh, he was someone to look out for and apparently you were right. Yeah. Okay. That's a wrap. Yes, it is. Another great episode in the books. <laughs> Another great episode in the books. Thanks for listening, everyone. Have a great night. Bye. Bye.